Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hello, this is Z. Yes, it is. Hey, this is Kanan with uh, Geek Vibes Nation. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Is now still a good time? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, first off, I just want to thank you for uh, taking the time uh, to speak with us today. Um, I'm thrilled. I've, I've been excited to speak with you uh, for a while now. Uh, one of my other writers actually spoke with you back when uh, uh, before Gotham uh, aired its fifth season. Uh, so uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, uh, we. Um, you know, we love your work. We've been following uh, TKO, which we're going to talk about here in a, in a few minutes. Um, you know, but uh, so, yeah, just once again, thank you uh, for joining. And uh, got a couple of questions to get started before we really get in um, to the ha- uh, heart of speaking with you, which is uh, TKO Studios, uh, your, uh, you know, your comic books division. Uh, we'll get into that. But I know you got a couple of other uh, projects that you're working on. I wanted to kind of ask you about to get an update. But first off, let me ask you, how are things going, man? Uh, you know, 2020 hasn't been very kind uh, to a lot of people, um, and especially, um, you know, comic book uh, distributors and, you know, comic book writers and producers and stuff like that. So first off, how are you and your family doing? Um, we're pretty good. You know, we've been lucky in a lot of ways in that, um, you know, obviously things are hard times, but um, with both TKO and with Gremlins, we're, we were pretty set up to work remotely. Um, you know, right now, we actually, I just took my family on a cross-country road trip, and I'm, I'm in Massachusetts family, and my wife's family is. Um, so, you know, it's... It, you know, we're still moving forward on all fronts. It's just uh, because TKO is so independent, we were actually able to avoid a lot of the shutdowns and continue to, you know, support comic book shops and to do um, to sell directly to our customers. And I can and kind of get into that uh, when we um, when we talk about TKO. We were very lucky in that respect. Okay, well that's that's good. I'm I'm so uh, glad to hear that you know everybody's doing well and uh, you know sounds like everything's uh, going good on your end. Especially like you said, being able to do things uh, remote. Um, you know, uh, luckily there's a lot of um, you know studios that are still able to get stuff done um, remote. So you know, thank God for that. Um, you mentioned it. I was going to ask you about it, but you brought it up. Uh, can you give us an update on your Gremlins project? Anything uh, that you can share, um, you know, maybe exclusive or maybe anything that you can share at all um, as a fan? You know, as somebody who grew up in the 80s and was a fan of the uh, the movie, uh, news of this project, you know, hit home, something I'm really looking forward to. So um, are you able to share any updates on Gremlins? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about um, about Gremlins, definitely. All right, where uh so I guess just tell us like um so far as like has it actually begun the process of uh of shooting anything or because uh, it's an animated series, correct? That's right. So it's um it's an animated series that we're doing with um Warner Brothers Animation and Amblin and it's for HBO Max. And it tells the story of, you know, in the original Gremlins movies, there's the old uh Chinese man, Mr. Wing 
who um, runs the shop where the Peltzers first um, get Gizmo. He's kind of Gizmo's protector. Um, so our show is actually a prequel um, that's animated that takes place in 1920s uh, China. And it follows um, young Mr. Wing when he was only 10 years old. Um, he meets Gizmo and they go on adventures in China. So it's a, a very serialized story and it's against the backdrop of, you know, Chinese mythology, that time period, um, with a lot of Mogwai mythology as well. Um, it won't premiere until 2021, I think. So it won't premiere until end of next year, but we're, we're pretty deep in the process right now. So in, in the movie, we only got to see really Gizmo. Uh, you know, of course, he produced the, uh, you know, the gremlins when he got wet. Will we see other forms of uh, Mogwai, um, you know, like that just have a totally different look than a Gizmo did? Will we get the, will you, we be introduced to the actual entire uh, species of uh, Mogwai? Um, we will see evil Mogwai, but I think that that's I think that's as much as I can say for right now. Um, but what we really wanted to do was, you know, to create um, obviously more stories set in the Gremlins universe, um, but also um, you know service the fans who you know the fandom for Gremlins is so strong for you know movies that have been around for you know almost forty years, and um, you know we definitely have a lot of kind of uh, Easter eggs and Gremlins mythology that hopefully will satisfy long-term fans while also bringing in, you know, new fans. The idea is that there'll be a, an, uh, a co-viewing show. So, you know, um, some of the models that we're looking at are like Pixar movies or um, uh, Studio Ghibli movies, things that adults and kids and teenagers can all watch together. All right. Um, will uh, Howie Mandel come back to voice Gizmo? Um, Howie Mandel is uh, has not is not coming back to voice Gizmo, um, but we will have um, some casting announcements soon. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds good. Well, all right. Um, so thanks for giving us an update on Gremlins. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I believe you've shared probably about all that you can. We really look forward to the casting. I do. I know you probably can't say anything, but I do hope that we get uh, you know some people from the original film uh, to make a cameo. But since you said it was uh, a prequel, um, I'm not sure you know you know how much they'll be involved. Uh, but any voice there's work from the original. Be some, there's definitely going to be some exciting um, uh, cameos from people. And um, what's been really exciting is that Joe Dante is a consulting producer on the project. And so, you know, he looks at the scripts, he looks at the artwork. It's been really amazing. You know, I know that a lot of the people on the crew and in the writer's room are huge, huge Gremlins fans. So it's been really great to, to you know, hear the stories about production from Joe and just get his insights into the character and the world. Oh, awesome. All right. Well, we can't, we look forward to that. Um, now, to jump into the world of Gotham real quick before we jump into TKO Studios, um, I saw your tweet um, the other day where, you know, HBO Max has announced that they're going to do their Gotham show, which uh, the more and more details that come out about it, it really sounds like it's a, um, you know, it's a it's a version of Gotham because now they're saying that 
you know, it's before uh, Batman, it's a prequel and all this stuff. And I thought your tweet was, was pretty hilarious. If anybody hasn't had a chance to go check it out, you know, go check it out. But what, I guess, like, what are your thoughts on HBO Max doing their version of Gotham? Because I felt like the Fox version of Gotham, I felt like it really could have either found a home on DC Universe or it could have maybe taken a year off or so and then been picked up by another outlet. So, I mean, how how do you feel? Because I feel like Gotham could have had at least a couple more seasons. You know, I really I really feel like y'all had more story to tell. Well, you know, I was pretty lucky in that, you know, I joined the Gotham Writers in season three and I was able to stay through the last season. And, you know, it is really a, a gift to be able to know that a show is ending and be able to do everything that the writers room wants to do, you know, in the last, you know, 10, it ended up being 12 episodes. The initial order was 10 episodes um, for the last season. Um, so I'm certainly very thankful for that. And honestly, I'm, I'm just a huge Batman fan. So, um, and I also really like the, um, the, the Gotham central uh, comic series that I think that the HBO max series is, is at least partially based on. And, you know, that, you know, that creative team is also pretty amazing. So, you know, I think that Gotham, it was, you know, such a fun creative experience. It's one of the best creative experiences that I've ever had, certainly. Cast, directors, everybody that we worked with was really wonderful. And, you know, I'm really thankful for that time. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I always kind of say, like, I'm a fan person first and a writer second. Um, and, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to say no to more Batman content. If you if if Fox had said we'll give you one more season, you had got to do a sixth season. Do, are there any particular characters or storylines that you would have um, that you would have liked to implement? You know, I think that what was nice about the Gotham Writers Room was certainly very collaborative, and you know, it was really exciting every year to just sit down and think like, okay, well, what are the stories that we want to do? I mean, for me, the thing that I found most exciting about um, uh, about Gotham was, you know, it was actually one of the one of the things I talked about in my first interview for the job, which was um, talking about Legends of the Dark Knight and that comic book series, where you know sometimes Batman is only in one or two pages. You know, same with Gotham Central, actually, like the first arc of Gotham Central. I think Batman's only in, you know, one and a half pages maybe of that of that first arc. And just kind of redirecting the stories towards all the other people who are in that universe. I mean, I, I, I obviously loved the relationship between Penguin and Riddler. Um, I loved a lot of our kind of our secondary characters um, who, you know, I, I really thought of Gotham as kind of an ensemble. And if we had had a sixth season, I would have loved to just continue to explore those core characters. All right. Well, um, you know, like I said, we we loved the the series. I hated to see it go. Um, I felt like you did wrap it up uh, nicely, um, but like you know, I I just felt like there's a lot more. And you being passionate about Batman, I really think there you know was a lot more story to tell. But uh, we we thank you for your work on that. And like I said, we look forward to Gremlins and other stuff. Um, but we're here to talk about TKO Studios, uh, and we did a um if people aren't familiar with TKO Studios uh this um the studio was actually introduced 
towards the end of 2018. So you're going on almost two years, if I have that correct. You're almost about the, uh, in a cu- couple of months, you'll have your two-year anniversary, correct? Yeah, I think we launched early December 2018. So we're about, we're about 18 months at the end of this year. You know, we'll hit our two-year two mark. Uh, one of the um, uh, one of the comic series, um, you know, that we first reviewed, uh, our comic book writer Harry actually reviewed it was um, Jeff Lemire's and uh, Gabriel Walta's Sentient, um, and I just have to tell you that you you really have a, a great story because Harry is the type of writer that if I'll send him a comic, if I send him a comic book to review, he will say, mm, I, I, I don't think I can give a, a, you know, an honest review on this. So I don't want to do it. He was floored. In fact, this is what Harry said about sentient uh, above all else. TKO's latest sci-fi adventure sentient is gripping, intense and downright horrifying. Um, but underneath those layers, however, lies a heartwarming story. Um, and he actually reviewed this in November of 2019. Um, so that just goes to show, and you've, you've got a great lineup of writers and artists, you know, Roxanne Gay on the banks. Um, you've got, um, Garth Enos, uh, who's done Punisher and Preacher, who did Sarah. And of course you have worked on the seven deadly sins and the fearsome Dr. Fang, um, now, just a couple of uh, months ago, it was reported that your comic company, um, which is making huge strides, um, actually signed a deal with Ingram Publishing, Publishers Group West. Um, how's that relationship working out so far? You know, it's really great. What has been amazing is, um, you know, when we launched, we tried to do pretty much everything differently, you know, as a comic book publisher. Um, one of the mandates for the company was, to modernize uh, the comic book industry, both um, creatively and commercially. And so, you know, a a couple of things we did differently were we we were the first company to, you know, uh, line-wide binge release our books. So, you know, at the launch of each one of our titles, you kind of have the option. You can binge release it in two different formats. You can binge release it and I binge read it in, um, a collector's box set with all six issues inside, or you can read the trade paperback, um, or you can read it on digital. And the other thing that we did was we made sure that we controlled our own distribution system. And so we do deals with comic book shops directly. We have one of the best deals um, in the industry for comic book shops. And um, we give them 50% off the cover price and um, they receive, uh, we pay for shipping and they'll always receive the books within two to five business days. And so it really puts comic book shops back in the, um, back in control of how they order books, how they restock books, um, and also the binge releasing system for comic book shops in particular. Um, if a manager or a store owner or a comic book shop employee takes the time to recommend our books, they know they're not just capturing the sale from a customer for one issue. They, uh, they know that they're capturing the sale for an entire series. They don't have to worry about whether that customer is going to come back in a month um, and, you know, six additional months to f- finish out the arc. So we really thought about, you know, every step of this from the creators to the fans to our retail partners um, in terms of comic book stores. 
about what would benefit them the most in this kind of more modern way of uh, distributing comics. Now, we're really excited to also enter the book market just because um, I think that is a place where you can kind of find new readers as well. I mean, I think that um, people who go to comic book shops, that demographic has been widening out um, over the last five, 10 years. It certainly visually looks that way when I go to my local comic book shop. But we're really excited to be in bookstores, in particular, the types of stories that we tell. We don't do any superhero books. We only do kind of new takes on established genres. So, you know, Garth Ennis's book, Sarah, uh, Garth Ennis and Steve Epting's book, Sarah, is a new take on a war story following a Russian female sniper. Um, Jeff Lemire and Gabriel Walter Sentient was a sci-fi story, but, you know, we've I had never seen a sci-fi story where um, it was told in this particular point of view following um, an AI who's kind of raising um, the survivors of the, the child survivors of a disaster on a ship. Um, and same with Roxanne Gay's book, uh, The Banks, uh, drawn by Ming Doyle and colored by Jordi Belair. You know, it was a new take on a heist story that I'd never seen before. And I think that those types of stories um, that are, listen, I love superhero comics, but that market is very well served. And I think that, you know, especially in the bookstore market, um, those books can find audiences that, you know, are, are looking to get into graphic novels, uh, but don't necessarily have an idea of, of where to start. Yeah, I think that's you know because coming out as a as a new studio, like I said, we we're we're approaching your two year anniversary. It's you know for a lot of people that can it can be um, challenging and and probably nerve wracking to to start a new comic book company, especially when you have you know well established companies like Marvel, DC, um, IDW, um, you know companies like that. Um, but you've separated yourself from them because, like you said, you're not focused so much on superheroes. You're focused on telling, you know, stories like Sarah's based on, you know, true events, um, you know, and, you know, the sci-fi story that you had with Sentient. Um, like I said, that floored Harry. Like he's – these are type of stories that people want to read because, like I said, if you – you know, the world is so immersed with superhero um you know, comics. That's why, you know, like DC just, you know, came out with the movie, the kitchen. I actually really liked that movie. And, you know, a lot of people probably didn't really understand what it was and like, Oh, this is based on a comic, but you know, we want Superman. We want Batman. We want Spider-Man, but I like that movie for what it was. And I think, you know, kind of like the banks, you know, and stuff like that. It's a, it's a comic book, but it tells, you know, a real grown up type story um, that people can get behind. So, I mean, your company has, you know, gotten praise and, and, and been all over from, you know, Hollywood Reporter, the New York Times has, um, you know, talked about y'all. Um, you know, what were some, like, what are some challenges, I guess, that, you know, you overcame as far as, like, with these stories? Did you go into this knowing that you wanted to tell these type of stories? Or was there ever a time when you said, you know, maybe we do need to focus more on superheroes. Maybe we need to create our, our own type of superhero. Sorry, can you cut out a little bit there? Oh, I apologize. Um, what I was saying there, was there ever a time when, you know, before you launched the company um, or even, you know, a year ago where you were like, you know, m maybe we should do a superhero or like, are you sticking with your guns and you're saying, these are the stories we want to tell. This is what we're going to tell. We're not going to bend. We're not going to break. Well, I mean, uh, you know, who knows where the company will be 
in five years, 10 years. But for right now, you know, we felt that there was a real consistency to not doing superhero books. Uh, we think that, you know, I think that there are so many talented creators uh, creating superhero stuff for Marvel and DC. And we wanted to make sure that we had our own niche, you know, in the comic book world and to make sure that people knew that, like, if you go to TKO, you can pick up something that is done by, you know, whether it's a really well-established creator or somebody who's much more up and coming, but, you know, that we're very excited about um, and find kind of genre stories with a heart. And, you know, we find, we find that that's, I find that that's the storytelling that I'm really excited about right now. I know that, you know, we're, those are the stories that we're really developing. We're really hoping that because we do, even though we don't do superhero stories, we do a lot of different types of genre stories. So that can be horror, thriller, sci-fi, action, adventure, really anything, fantasy. Um, And so we're really hoping that, you know, if somebody goes to look at our books, you know, picks up books off the shelves in the comic book store or a bookstore or visits tkopresents.com that they, there's, you know, there's something for, for everyone, you know, in our line. Now with some of the other big uh, companies, uh, you know, they weren't able to get their comics out, you know, distributors were shutting down because of coronavirus. Um, Was there ever an issue with your um, publishing company of getting uh, the comics out? Um, Are they, you know, people able to get them today if they go to their stores? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're widely available. Um, you can also visit, you know, tkopresents.com. You know, all of our, our, one of the decisions that we made early on was wanting to handle our own distribution and fulfillment system. Um, and that's not just in terms of dealing directly with customers, being able to do our own customer service, but also being able to do our own fulfillment for comic book shops. And where that really um, benefited us was during coronavirus when, you know, comic book shops started shutting down and, you know, Diamond stopped shipping books. We, we did an initiative, which was our COVID-19 initiative, where um, we created a, a portion of the site where if people visited tkopresents.com and ordered any of our books, they could have a drop-down menu of, you know, local comic book shops across the U.S. They could pick their local comic book shop and we would send that shop 50% of the sale, meaning that, you know, let's say a customer spent $40 at tkopresents.com, we'd send a check to a comic book store of their choosing, and ideally their local comic book shop that they wanted to support. Um, we would give them, you know, 50% of that sale. So for every $100, we'd give, you know, a, a shop $50. So over the course of that initiative, we sent over 1,200 checks to 650 comic book shops. And... A lot of that was, you know, as a new comic book uh, company, we really felt um, so uh, indebted to those stores for supporting us early on. You know, I know that a lot of these stores kind of live month to month, and they really took a chance on us. They, you know, they stocked our books. They sold out of our books very quickly. They saw that we were good at, you know, uh, at maintaining that relationship with them. And, you know, I think that, seeing comic book shops being put into the position of, you know, are we going to be open in three months? Are we going to be open in six months when coronavirus is over? That was very stressful for us to see. We just wanted to figure out a way to help out. And because we do our own distribution and because we control, you know, every aspect of how our books get out in the world, 
we were actually able to do that. So we were very thankful to be able to support comic book shops during that time. Uh, two of the um, two of the titles um, you know you've worked on, like I said earlier, were uh, are Fearsome Doctor Fang and uh, Seven Deadly Sins. Um, what were your inspirations behind uh, those two titles? I mean, you can start with with either one, but uh, are any of uh, any of the story elements uh, personal, or are they taken from uh, you know maybe? movies or, or video games or something that you that you've experienced in the past um you know both of them are two of the best you know books i think in the collection um i hope they're sequels maybe we can get into that after you answer the the first question but um what exactly um is your inspiration behind those two well for the fearsome dr fang um that was a book that i co-wrote with my friend mike weiss um and mike and i have been friends since college and we were trying to find a new way into kind of a Indiana Jones type story. And, you know, the concept of Fearsome Dr. Fang is basically um, what if the yellow peril Fu Manchu style bad guy from these, you know, um, pulp novels, um, criminal mastermind who's shrouded in shadow. What if that Fu Manchu style bad guy was actually a good guy and was working undercover in order to infiltrate the black market? And so it's a globe-trotting adventure that takes place in the early 1900s. Um, it's got this uh, badass, fearsome Dr. Fang at the center of it, as well as two other characters. Um, and it goes from you know, San Francisco to Shanghai to deeper into China. Um, and we just felt like we wanted to do something that kind of turned that Yellow Peril story on its head, but did it in a really fun way. And um, you know, we brought on the artist Dan McDade, whose work on Judge Dredd I had really loved, and colorist Daniela Miwa, um, who had worked on The Old Guard, which is now, you know, uh, a Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. And that team we were just so excited about. And, you know, also coming from film and TV, it was really fun. That was one of the first projects along with Seven Deadly Sins that I wrote. And just to be able to conceptualize stuff on that scale was really exciting. Like there's a opening set piece where there's a heist and then there's a chase where um, this San Francisco street cop who's one of our main characters and this treasure hunter, Alice are um, pursuing the fearsome Dr. Fang. And it is a pursuit through the great San Francisco earthquake. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where if you wrote it into a movie script or a TV show, your line producer would like knock on your door and shoot you in the face because it would be so expensive. But just to be able to conceptualize stuff on that scale was really freeing. And it was, it was a really satisfying process. Um, For seven deadly sins, it was, I'd always wanted to write a Western and I think I wanted to redirect the stories away from, you know, the kind of classic gunslingers that you'd see in, couple hundred episodes of Bonanza or Gunsmoke and look at who all the stories that were not told about that time. And so you have a, you know, very diverse group of outlaws, death row criminals um, who go on this side mission for, uh, with us, a priest to kind of do a reverse searchers. They're trying to return um, a kidnapped uh, native American girl uh, to her tribe in, in, in Comancheria. And actually, the it's funny, you know, Seven Deadly Sins is the the script that got me the job on Gotham. You know, I had written it as a pilot to begin with, 
and it focuses a lot on the villains of the old west um and it takes place in a time where the political structure in the old west is evil um and so you know the bad guys are actually the good guys and um that's kind of how i sold myself as a writer to gotham i was like you know your your show uh focuses a lot on the villains um and people love those villains. And so, you know, I, I, I kind of talked about what I would want to do um, with characters like Penguin and Riddler and, and Poison Ivy. It's funny, also, Fearsome Dr. Fang, the comic, was also what got me the gig on Gremlins as well, um, just because it also takes place in that time period and kind of showed them that I knew that world and, um, and knew about Chinese mythology. Uh, you kind of touched on it um, a little bit where you said that, you know, if you were to make um, Fearsome Dr. Fang into a TV show or maybe somebody would knock on your door and shoot you in the face. But like you said about, you know, the old guard, I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, studios are, are starting to adapt, um, you know, comics, you know, more into movies. It seems like that's becoming the the go to for adaptation. Uh, you know, Mark Millari's got his whole series is going to be adapted, you know, for Netflix. Um, but have you spoken with any uh, writers or studios about adapting, um, you know, some of your uh, comics, not just yours, but some of um, TKO's comics, uh, possibly into an animated film, a television show, or a movie? I mean, I think Sentient would be great as one. I think Sarah would be awesome. Um, Seven Daily Sins would be great. Um, I think people really like that Western outlaw type, um, you know, those type movies. So I think that would be pretty good. The Banks might even be good as a series, like on HBO. Um, but have, have you had any talks or you, can you share any details maybe um, regarding that? I mean, I can't share any details, but those conversations are certainly ongoing. There's been a, a lot of interest in our books, especially because of the creative teams behind them and also because of, you know, the critical reviews uh, of the books have been very strong. And so, you know, that's certainly part of our business model. Um, you know, we want to make sure, obviously, that these things have to be great comic books, you know, and that's why we put so much effort into the printing of the books, the quality of the books themselves, the creative teams, making sure we're really crafting the best possible comic book story. But, you know, certainly because of the quality of the comic books, um, there's been a lot of interest from studios and networks, and we're currently in the negotiations for um, a number of projects. All right. Do you have any um, updates that you can give us on, you know, potential titles that are uh, going to be coming out soon? Uh, you know, like a new wave of comics that you can or that you want to promote or talk about. Um, there will be a new wave of comics by the end of the year. Um, the best place to look for updates is um, to follow uh, at TKO Presents um, across all social platforms. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, that's where we do a lot of our announcements. And we're certainly going to be putting out a really a, a bunch of very exciting titles um, by the end of the year. And we're probably going to be announcing um, what 2021 looks like also towards the end of the year. 
All right. Well, uh, Z, I, I've, I've spoken to you for over 30 minutes now. It's probably a lot longer than what you were wanting to do, but uh, I appreciate you. No, this is uh, so fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I really wanted to talk about more stuff. You know, I, I, like I said, I could talk to you all day about Gremlins. I know you can't. Um, uh, is there anything else that I didn't cover that you want people to know about TKO? Because, like I said, we've reviewed the comics. We think they're great. Um, I You actually sent a ton of stuff to me. Um, which I've reviewed. Um, if you don't mind, I probably would like to do those as giveaways um, because you know great. I'm going to keep uh, I'm going to keep the um, couple of them for myself. But they're they're great titles. Um, I think I would love to share with our um, you know with our followers not just this interview but also you know the books that you have to offer. Um, but is there anything that you know we didn't cover that you would like to talk about as far as the company goes? I mean, I think the main thing is, you know, we've always wanted to get our kind of mandate out there and to kind of talk about why we started this company in the first place. And, you know, at every stage of the decision-making process and, and, and part of the reason why, or maybe actually the main reason why we did so many things differently than other comic book companies right off the bat was, you know, at every stage we asked ourselves three questions. And the three questions were, is this good for creators? Is this good for fans? Is this good for comics? And we really believe that comic books can have a place uh, in culture alongside film and TV and uh, prose books. And, you know, I think that um, if you're getting into, com- if you love comics, obviously check out, uh, go to tkopresents.com and check out our books. Um, but if you're, even if you're new to comics and you're just excited about um interesting character-driven emotional stories that have a a fun, you know, genre hook to them. You know, um, we really think of our books as kind of like, you know, beautifully illustrated novels. You know, I think that uh, I personally feel that anyone who is just interested in compelling stories um, could break open one of our books and really enjoy what we have to offer. So I hope that people check out our books Um, again. Uh, you can follow uh, at TKO Presents across all socials. Visit TKOPresents.com. Um, my personal um, Twitter and Instagram handle is at TheZChun, uh, so T-H-E-T-Z-E-C-H-U-N. Um, I talk a lot about TKO Comics, but I also talk about um, film and TV and my experience there. So um, if you have any interest in any of that stuff, please follow our company and follow me. Uh, one One last question. If what do you find more? Uh, I guess what do you find easier to do, like r- helping run and and create comics, uh, and a, you know run a uh, uh, you know a comic book uh, company, or you know writing you know screenplays? Because I mean, I assume they're they're similar, but they're they're not in a lot of ways. Do you just do you feel more relaxed and at home writing a comic, or do you feel like that um, you know writing screenplays? I mean, I think everything is pretty hard, you know, uh, both of them, but, but I, I think that I feel very lucky in that, you know, I've worked in, you know, I've written, directed, uh, written and directed movies that have played at Sundance. Um, I have worked in the studio system, writing features, worked in television as a staff writer, but also creating shows and now running, um, you know, TKO presents with my co-founders and my editor in chief, uh, Sebastian Gerner, like, 
you know, they all kind of do different things and there's always something exciting happening um, in all those places. And, you know, I feel very lucky that I really enjoy the, pro- even though it's difficult, I, I do find the process of, you know, every one of those things really exciting. And, and, and even when it is difficult, you know, very interesting. Well, Z, thank you so much for, um, you know, speaking with me today. We definitely want to um, schedule something with you um, around the time uh, Gremlins comes out. Uh, We'd also like to talk to you again uh, when your next wave of uh, comics come out as well. Uh, But like I said, you're a a busy man. Uh, You're doing it all. And, I mean, it's great stuff. I mean, it it really is. I, I don't know that you know there's anything to look back and be disappointed in at all i mean like i said your the comics are great uh you did a great job with gotham i think gremlins is going to be out of this world um are there any other tv shows or anything that you're um that you're working on um you know outside you know you said you have talks maybe about the comics but is there anything any other projects that you're working on um that you want to promote um Besides the comic book adaptations, it's really focusing on Gremlins. You know, um, I think everyone at the studio and network are really excited about it. And, you know, I just, uh, it's, it's, it's really been a dream project um, creatively, but also uh, in terms of the partnerships with the studio and network, it's been, it's been really fulfilling. And, you know, the writing staff is great. The artists that are working on it, I mean, I, I feel like I'm very, very excited people to see what we're working on can you can you say exactly what kind of art style you're going for is it all is it going to be um you know like 3d generated or is it going to be uh, just you know normal animation but are you going for a particular style um we are doing a hybrid um so they've been calling it kind of two and a half d and okay. so there's certain technical things that we're doing because we wanted a very cinematic look for it um you know, some of the visual references were things like, you know, Goonies or Indiana Jones. You know, we certainly want to move the camera in a cinematic way, um, but we want to try to get be- the best of both worlds. You know, um, it's such a, the show has a lot of heart. Um, so want to make sure that the acting is really excellent as well um, in terms of the animations. And so, you know, I think early on, um, the uh, our supervising producer and I talked a lot about also creating a very organic look to it and making sure that it doesn't necessarily have that kind of um, CG look to it, even though there's going to be portions of it that are in CG. So um, visual references are things like Spirited Away, you know, something that um, some of those Studio Ghibli movies that, that just don't age um, just because it feels so panterly and organic. Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, nowadays they they like that 3D type, you know, graphic look. But I, I'm I'm old school. I like the old school animation style. Um, to me, it's it's story and art. And um, like I said, I, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna nail it. So I, I look forward to seeing it. Um, but Z, get back to your family. Have a great week. Um, I think you've said it all. But like I said, we'd love to have you back. If you want to come back on, we could definitely talk some more. Absolutely. Uh, but I'll uh, can't wait to share this with our uh, readers and uh, viewers. And I hope you have a, a good day. All right. You too. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.